Hey, I'm excited for us this morning to kick off a new series this fall called Bold. Now, when I say the word bold, I think all of us have a picture that comes to mind. What do you think of when you think of someone who's bold? I think a lot of us have this maybe picture in our mind of someone who took a risk, of someone who maybe stepped up or, or stepped out in a courageous way, who somebody with confidence did something to, to change a life or to change the world. But it's interesting. I, I think if you asked those people what went through their mind when they made that decision to be bold, that there would be some honesty would be shared that when they took that risk, they didn't know how it was going to work out. I was reading a story this week about a man by the name of Charles Blondin. And Charles Blondin was a French acrobatist and tightrope walker. And Charles decided that it would be a good idea to come to the United States and to walk a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Anybody seen this story before? It was July or June 30th, 1859. And so Charles decides that he's going to, he's going to string a hempen cable across the Niagara Falls and he's going to walk across the Niagara Falls. And so newspapers begin to talk about this and 25,000 people hop on trains, go all the way up to uh, the border of America and Canada to watch this amazing feat. So about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, Blondin steps out with a 26-foot balancing pole and makes the trek all the way across the Niagara Falls as people gasped as he took each step. So Blondin makes it across, turns around, walks all the way back to the other side. On his journey back the third time, he decides to sit down on the rope halfway across and have a glass of wine. You know, just a nice time for a break. After he finishes his glass of wine, he walks back, he actually runs back, and he comes out with a camera, decides he's going to take a picture of the crowd from the rope. This guy, Charles Blondin, went on to, over the course of several years, uh, walk across that rope 300 times. And it was incredible. But one of the things he always liked to do, I mean, he, he, he carried people on his back. He took wheelbarrows, all kinds of things. But one of the things he always liked to do is he liked to look at the crowd and invite them to join him on the rope. Now, how many of you would take him up on that offer? How many people you think took him up on that offer? Zero, right? Over the course of years, Blondin continually asked people to step out on the rope, and nobody did. Now, people thought he was crazy. Other thought, others thought that he was amazing. But the reality was that Blondin asked people to step out in boldness, and nobody ever did. You know, if you looked up the definition of boldness, you'd see that it's a willingness to take a risk. It's a willingness to take a risk, to act innovatively, to be courageous and confident. And the Bible tells us over and over again throughout God's Word that God calls us to be bold that God calls us to have courage, that God calls us to, to be confident. Now, God's not calling us to be bold and walk tightropes across the Niagara Falls, but God's calling us to be bold in how we follow him and to be bold to stand for the things that he stands for and to be bold to, to be um, for the things that God is for. But I think a lot of times in our lives what happens is God invites us out on the rope with him. But for whatever reason whether it's fear or it's uncertainty, we struggle taking that step of faith to follow God out on the rope. I think a lot of us have had experiences in life when we were in a place where we felt that we knew the right thing to do or that we knew the right, we, we, we felt the right thing to say. But for whatever reason, we were overcome by the what ifs. 
Anybody ever been hit by the what ifs? I think we all have, right? How's this going to work? God, you're calling me. I feel like you're calling me to take this risk, but what if it doesn't work? God, what if I fail? What if people don't like me? What if? What if? So I think at the heart of the, the what if scenario that we all run into is just the fear of uncertainty that is around us in life. And there's this, this fear that we, we, we feel like God is calling us to be bold and to step out on the rope and to take a risk. But yet we're overcome by just the doubt of what could be. So over the next few weeks, I want us to really kind of tackle this idea that God is calling us into boldness. God is calling us into living bold lives. But what does that look like? How do we bridge the gap between where I am today, struggling with uncertainty and fear and the what ifs, to the place where God wants me to be, where I follow him out onto the rope. And so we're kicking off a new series this morning called Bold, and we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about how do we become bold with our, with our words? How do we become bold with our actions? How, how do we become bold with our prayers? But I think where we have to start is where we always need to start, is we can't start with the external, but we have to start with the internal. We have to start with what God is doing in our hearts, and it all begins with faith. And so this morning, I want us to kick off this series by looking at an amazing story in Matthew chapter 14, where God teaches us what it looks like to have bold faith and what to do when we are faced with fears of uncertainty and doubt and the what-ifs. So if you have your Bibles, let's grab those, and let's open together to the book of Matthew. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 14 for most of our time this morning. If you're familiar with Matthew 14, it's one of, I think, one of the, the, the most amazing accounts of Jesus in the entire Bible. And just to give you a little bit of, of speed to, to bring you up on uh, to what we're going to talk about today. In Matthew chapter 14, we find Jesus and his disciples, and they have been out, and we see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So back up a little bit. Jesus has just found out that John the Baptist has died, and he's very down. He's, he's, his soul is grieved. He knows that his disciples have been out working in the neighboring towns and sharing the gospel of, the king, of Jesus and telling them that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so they come back and Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's go off to a remote place where we can get some R&R, where we can kick back and we can relax and we can pray and we can talk about what God is doing. So they get in the boat and they look over and there's this huge crowd that follows them. So the Bible tells us that Jesus has compassion on the crowd. And so Jesus parks the boat. Jesus and the disciples, even though they're already tired, they get out and they go and they start ministering to this crowd that's, that the Bible tells us is 5,000 people. But a lot of our Bible scholars think that when you add women and children into the mix, it's a crowd of about 20,000 people. And so they're spending all day out there and Jesus is healing the sick and giving sight to the blind and helping people uh, recover from illnesses and sicknesses and all these things. And then it gets dark. It starts to get late. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, we got to send some people home here because we don't have any way for them to eat. And Jesus said, well, let's give them something to eat. And so they find a boy who was prudent enough to pack a lunch. And with a couple fish and a couple rolls, they feed 20,000 people. One of the most amazing things we see in the Bible. Jesus is just working miracle after miracle. But at the end of the day, everybody's tired. Jesus is tired. The disciples are tired. And so Jesus tells the disciples, why don't you guys hop in the boat, go to the other side of the lake. I'm going to dismiss the crowd, and then I'm going to go off and pray. I'm going to go get a little R&R, &R, and I'll catch up to you later. And that's where we pick up our story. Look with me, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. 
So immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered them, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Forefront, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the words of Matthew. We thank you for this amazing account where Jesus comes to his disciples walking on the water. And Lord, we, we see in this text today that you're teaching us so much about what it looks like to have bold faith. So Father, a lot of us come in this room today walking through difficult times and challenging seasons, Lord, and we look back over our lives in different situations and we, we look back and we see this uh, the this history where we have maybe known what we needed to say at the right time, we knew what we needed to do, but because of fear or uncertainty or the what-ifs, we didn't do it. And so we have this wreckage behind us of, of, of areas where we feel maybe guilty or we have some shame or we feel some past mistakes. And Lord, help us to be freed from that today, to know that you do call us to be bold, but you are the God of second chances. And you want to teach us how to live bold lives and to live boldly in a world of uncertainty. But we have to first learn to follow you if we're ever going to do that. So, Father, I pray that you open our eyes and our hearts today to see that bold faith can be ours. But we have to follow you and trust you as we pursue you. Father, we want to today just come to you and pray for our friends Nate and Robin Ray, who uh, the Front Church in the Salt Lake City area are launching for the very first time. Today's their first Sunday together as they meet as a, as a church. And so, Lord, we pray that it's a powerful day that you rally uh, people to their doors this morning, that they can preach the word of Jesus in uh, a very spiritually dark area. And, Lord, help people to come to know you and to, to know the saving grace of your son. So, Father, we pray for them today. Lord, we lift up uh, the Mooney family, Lord, as uh, still processing and grieving after, after Annie has passed away. And we look forward to gathering here in this space on, on Tuesday at 1 p.m. to honor Annie's life. Father, we pray for uh, those families in, in Afghanistan. Lord, we pray for uh, the people that have, uh, were unable to um, evacuate, Lord. We pray for the, the men and women that, uh, Lord, that have trusted in your name, uh, Lord, that have the fear around them uh, of, of losing their life or of imprisonment. We pray for boldness for them. Father, we continue to pray for the people that lost so much in the earthquake in Haiti and the people that have dealt with flooding from the hurricanes on the East Coast. And we ask, Lord, that you move in a mighty way to help them to be bold and to trust you as they take steps forward to put their lives back together and trust you every step of the way. But, Father, for us, we pray that you move in a mighty way in our hearts today as we see how you call us to be bold and that you stir our hearts up in our affections for Jesus. So when we leave today, we look more like Jesus than when we came. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.
Well, hey, this may be one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Jesus walking on the water. If somebody was going to ask you what's your favorite story, what would you tell them? What, what, what is your favorite story? What was your favorite story to tell your kids or to hear as a kid? This was mine. Jesus walking on the water, and I just love the full day. Can you imagine that day that Jesus had and his disciples ministering all day long, miracle after miracle, and then it's a long day, and they're tired, and they're in the boat, and they're rowing across the water, and the winds and the waves start picking back up, and they're already tired, and they look over, and they see somebody walking on the water. Can you just imagine what they were going through? You know, the Sea of Galilee, if you've ever been to Israel or you've seen any pictures, the Sea of Galilee really kind of sits in a bowl with mountains all around it. So it's easy for the winds and the waves to get picked up. So imagine the disciples, they're rowing. These are professional fishermen. They're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Bible scholars think they're about three miles in. And they look over and they see what they see is a ghost. It's so good. And what Jesus tells us here is that, hey, it's not a ghost but it's me. And in the midst of this, Jesus is teaching us so much about what it looks like in the face of fear and uncertainty to live with bold faith. You know, one of the themes we see throughout the Bible is this, uh, this, this picture that faith is a lot like walking. That, that as we follow Jesus, this journey of faith is a lot like a walk. It's much more of a walk than it is a sprint or a run. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5-7 that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15, that we are, look, we are to look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. There's this beautiful picture of that our journey of following Jesus is one where we are walking, where we are taking the time to learn and to listen. And we see that not only are we called to walk, we see here that Jesus walked. And of all things, Jesus walked on water. And as we see the story progress, we see really three things that Jesus teaches us about bold faith. And here's the first one is that bold faith calls fear into the light. That bold faith calls fears into, fear into the light. Notice what we see. Notice what Matthew tells us again in verse 25. It's the fourth watch of the night. And Jesus came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. And they, were, they cried out in fear. Imagine these guys sitting in this boat and they... They see something coming to them on the water. What would you think it was? They think it's a ghost. Years ago, we took a trip to North Carolina as a family, and we were in Beaufort, North Carolina. And they, supposedly that was the town where Redbeard the pirate lived, and supposedly his ghost is still in Beaufort. Right? So I don't know if you guys ever watching those ghost shows. Really interesting. So we decided, just for fun, we'd take a ghost tour. Right? And so we're out walking around on this ghost tour, and I'm pretty sure they rigged the streetlights to flicker you know, as you walked by. And you'd see them flicker a little bit, and people would, would kind of, like, stand up and look around and all of these things. Like, they were looking for ghosts. People want to see these things. It's fun, right? They, they want to see these things to draw them in. But that's not where the disciples were. The disciples were afraid. These disciples are in the boat. They see somebody walking to them, and they immediately, they don't think it's Jesus. Why would they? They think it's a ghost. See, so many times we get scared of what we think we might see in the dark. But the disciples were scared of what they actually saw in the dark. The National Institute of Mental Health did a study on fear a couple of years ago, and here's what they found. They found that a little bit of fear is good for you. That a little bit of fear helps you stay in tune with your fight and flight responses. A little bit of fear helps you keep from wrecking your car. A little bit of fear keeps you from walking into a place you shouldn't go. But too much fear 
can lead you into a very unhealthy place. The study found that too much fear is actually really bad for your health. And so if you are constantly fearful, not only will you develop an anxiety disorder, but it also will impact your heart. It will also impact your immune system. It will give you ulcers, and it will actually make you age faster. Interesting. But not only that, too much fear also just takes away the ability to do simple things in life, like answer phone calls, open mail, open emails, hang out with friends. Too much fear can drive you away. And what happens is I think sometimes we get afraid of what's in the dark. We get afraid of what might be, what might happen, what could be there, rather than truly seeing what's there. You have to ask the question, what is fear? I think fear is uncertainty, right? You ask, what, what is fear? Fear is what you think might be lurking in the dark. It's, fear is defined as the belief that something is likely to cause a pain or a threat. To the disciples, fear was a ghost here walking on the water. The Bible has a lot to say about fear. It talks about the fear of man. It talks about the fear of nature. The Bible talks about the fear of tomorrow. We fear what we don't know. We fear what we can't see. We fear what might happen We fear what others might say. And what happens is out of fear, it causes us to doubt God. It causes us to to do things that we would never do if we only just trusted God. It causes us to run away. It causes us to shrink shrink away rather than standing up. But here's one of the, the things that I think that Jesus wants us to see as we look at God's word is that while we might be afraid of the things we don't know, the things we can't see, and the what ifs in the world, God knows this. And because of this, he's constantly telling us, do not be afraid. What is the enemy of boldness? And what is the enemy of bold faith? It's fear. So how do we fight fear? We have to fight it with faith. How did Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, a man who just found out that, that, a man who just found out that he was now going to be the leader of the Israelite army and the nation of Israel, and Moses had died, and now here's Joshua who's stuck here leading this group of people, and he's afraid, he's worried, and God's saying, I want you to go in, I want you to possess the land that I promised to your, your forefathers, and Joshua's like, I don't know that I can do this, and jo- God tells Joshua, don't be afraid. I think of Gideon in Judges chapter 8. Gideon is hiding in a wine press. The, the Midians, Midianites are coming after Israel to, to defeat them, and Gideon's hiding in a wine press. And God comes up to Gideon and says, Gideon, what are you doing? He's like, Gideon, I'm going to use you to push back Midian. I'm going to use you to rescue Israel. And Gideon's like, there's no way I can do that. I come from the smallest of all tribes, and I'm not even the strongest person in my father's house. And God says, yeah, I know, but I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. I think of Mary, just a teenager, and Mary's sitting at home, and an angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. And that baby's going to be the savior of the world, and that baby's going to rescue the world from sin. And Mary's got to be thinking, how can I do this? I'm just a young girl. I have, don't have any idea what I'm going to do. And the, what does the angel say to Mary? Do not be afraid. I think of the shepherds who are sitting out in the field shepherding their flock, and here comes the host of angels in the sky, and it says that they were terrified. And they say, don't be afraid, for in the city of David today a Savior has been born. Over and over again, God is telling us not to be afraid. We find John exiled to Patmos in the book of Revelation. See Jesus fall on his face, and Jesus tells John, don't fear, it's me. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. 
I'm here every step of the way. And here are the disciples sitting in this boat, just seeing Jesus work all these miracles. And now they see something on the water, and they're afraid. And they see Jesus walk up to them. And notice what Jesus says in verse 27. Immediately Jesus says to them, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. See, God's constant message to us from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is this. Don't be afraid. That in the dark around you is going to be fear and uncertainty and the what ifs, but don't be afraid because I'm going to be with you. And so when I'm calling you in boldness to follow me out on the rope, don't look down, but look up. Because God has a plan for you and for your life. When my kids were little, they used to call me in before bed. I'd tuck them in and they'd call me back and they'd say, I can't sleep. I'd say, what's going on? Why can't you sleep? Well, there's something under the bed. Well, what's under the bed? Well, it's a monster. There's a monster under the bed. Any parents remember monster under the bed? And so I do what every good parent should do when your kid calls you to come look for monsters under the bed. I crawl, get down under the floor, crawl under the bed, and then I act like I get sucked under the bed and devoured by the monster. <laughs> right? Like, oh, my gosh, it's got me. I mean, that's what good dads do, right? At least it was the book I read that said that's what good dads do. No, that's not what you do. You turn on the light. You look under the bed. You invite them to look under the bed. You see there's no monsters. See, often we look in the dark and we see what we think are ghosts. We see what we think are monsters. But what Jesus is telling us here is that when we look in the dark and we see something's uncertain and we see something that scares us, we need to take a closer look. We need to invite Jesus in to take that closer look to see that there are no monsters under the bed. We've got to invite Jesus in to help us turn on the light if we're going to be bold. See, the reality is that God knows. And we need to remember that. You, you might think fear and hear fear and hear this idea of boldness and just say, you don't understand. My, my fear is crippling. My fear is irrational. My fear doesn't make sense. But Jesus knows. Jesus still knows. And Jesus wants you to invite him in so he can turn on the light. And he can be with you to look under the bed, to look in the closet, to show you that there's no monsters, that there's nothing to fear in the dark. But to do so, you have to invite Jesus into the light. And these are the great promises that God gives us in his word. Like where he tells Joshua, don't be fearful. Don't be worried, but be courageous. Because everywhere you go, I go. And that's the same promise that Jesus gives to us. But he's asking us to have bold faith. And to do so, we have to actually stand up and invite Jesus into our situation and help him to turn on the light for us. So we can, we can bold faith, with bold faith, we can call fear into the light, see fear for what it is. It's nothing that's match for Jesus. So we see that the disciples are afraid. Jesus gets close enough where they can see it's him. He says, take heart, it's me. Don't be afraid. And notice what we see next. We see that, the bold, that bold faith also stands on the word of God. Bold faith doesn't just call fear into the light, but bold faith also stands on the word of God. Notice what happens here. Notice what Peter does. Verse 28, and Peter answered him. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, it's not that Peter recognized Jesus and was just like, Lord, is that you? I mean, it's more as what Peter is saying is, Lord, since it's you. Jesus, since that's you on the water that I see, command me to come to you. Command me to walk out to you on the water. And notice what Jesus says in verse 29. He says, come. Simply, he says, come. And notice what Peter does. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. Now, I don't know if any of you ever grew up around water. 
I grew up about an hour north of the Lake of the Ozarks in central Missouri, and I grew up with the Missouri River in my backyard. And, I, and with all the water I grew up, I'm just going to be honest, I never once thought I could go walk on water, right? Some of you might have seen Chris Angel and David Blaine try to do it, right? That's just optics. People can't walk on water. Just let's be clear on that. But here's Peter stepping out and walking on water. How is he doing this? Don't miss this. Peter wasn't walking on water. Peter was standing and walking on the word of God. See, Jesus told Peter to come. Peter stood out and walked on that water because he was standing on the word of God. The reality forefront is if we want to be bold in our lives, if we want to have boldness in what we do and how we follow Jesus, if we want to follow Jesus out on the tightrope and go and take the risk that Jesus is calling us to go and asking us to take, then we have to learn to stand on the word of God. Because all around us, we've got words pouring into our ears and to our minds. This week, you had a lot of people speaking into your life. The question is, are you going to be, is that what you're going to stand on or are you going to stand on the word of God? We look back at the, at the, at the stories of, of, of history and, and, and the stories of, of men and women in the Bible, and you wonder, how could they do these things? How could they take these risks? How could Noah build a boat when he's never seen rain? How did Abraham leave his family and move to a place he has never been? How could a stuttering Moses who was running for the charges of murder have the, the gumption to go back into Israel and tell Pharaoh, let my people go? How did Gideon go to war with Midian with 300 people? How did David have the gumption to face a giant twice his size? How did Mary have the audacity to tell Joseph, I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit? How did Peter stand in front of the temple after he had just been arrested and preached the name of Jesus? How did Martin Luther take nine, his, his page of 95 theses and nail it to the front of his church and tell them they needed to change? How did William Tyndale give his life for translating the Bible into the English language? How could they do that? They did it all on the Word of God. Their, their boldness, their confidence, their courage was all based on the Word of God None of it was done in their own strength. See, I I don't know about you, but I love to talk about these men and women of boldness and courage and faith and, and to just talk about how amazing these people are. But it's just a reminder that it's not them. It's the word of God. I love what Pastor Anthony Carter says. He says that there are no extraordinary men or women. There are only those who have determined to believe in the word of an extraordinary God. And so the question I think we have to grapple with is that God is calling you out to trust him. God is calling you to take a risk. God is calling you to be bold. And how do you do it? How do you follow him? How do you bridge the gap of fear and uncertainty and the what ifs? You do it by standing on the word of God. Jesus told Peter to come. And Peter stepped out on the water and he walked and he stood on the water, and he walked to Jesus. He was doing it by standing on the word of God. It's just a reminder, forefront, that you can trust the promises of God, that God has filled his word with promises for you, and those promises are always trustworthy, and those promises are always faithful. So I think Jesus is telling us that, look, don't be afraid of what's in the dark, but call bold faith calls fear into the light. Bold faith also stands on the word of God. But third, notice what we see here is that bold faith keeps its focus 
on Jesus. Look back at Matthew 14. Bold faith keeps its focus on Jesus. So imagine you're Peter. And you're Peter, and you've now stepped out on the water. Now, we don't know how many steps Peter took. He could have took two steps. He could have took 20 steps. We don't know. But what we do know is that Peter looks at the waves and the wind, and he gets afraid again. Notice what we see in verse 30. But when Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, we don't know what really what was going through Peter's mind here. I think we can guess a little bit. I think Peter got out on the water and, and freaked out a little bit, which is understandable, right? But we don't know what, what really he was doing. Maybe he was looking at his circumstances. Maybe Peter looked at his circumstances and said, there's no way that I should be right now walking on water. This is impossible. And he started to sink. Maybe Peter got a little full of himself. Maybe Peter looked over at his friends in the boat and were like, hey, guys, look at this. Hey, John, can you believe this? Andrew, what's up, player? Can you believe I'm walking on the water? He starts to sink. We don't know what was going through his mind, but what we know is he took his eyes off of Jesus. And it's a good reminder of us that when we take our focus off of Jesus, that we're going to sink too. Some of you may be in a place right now where you feel like you're sinking. You may be in a place right now where you feel like boldness has been gone a long time and that you're just going with the flow or that you've been just so full of fear that you can't even do the things that you know God has given you the strength to do. And I think what Jesus wants us to see is that God is just calling us to turn our focus back to him. See, for some of us, just life happens. For some of us, the pandemic happened. For some of us, this has been an ongoing thing our entire lives. For some of us, it was a difficult conversation. But whatever it was, it took your eyes off of Jesus. But I think what Jesus wants us to see is that if we want to be able to stand on God's word and live boldly with a bold faith, the only way we do it is by keeping our eyes focused on him. But what do we do when life happens and we take our eyes off of Jesus? I think the reminder is we got to put them back on him every time. See, the reality is that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and became faithless for a moment. But the good news is that even when we're faithless, Jesus is faithful. Amen? Even when we take our eyes off of Jesus, Jesus never takes his eyes off of us. So what does Peter do? Peter calls out to Jesus, and Jesus saves him. Jesus rescues him. And here's the, here's the truth that we need to know. Here's the reality is that it doesn't matter how much faith we have, how little faith we have. What doesn't save us is the amount of faith we have. What saves us is Jesus. What doesn't save us is how good we've been. What doesn't save us is how, or, or how bad we've been. What saves us is Jesus. Jesus saves. And so when the winds of life come and rock the boat, when the world comes and changes, when things shatter around us, when pandemics come and we take our eyes off of God, God never takes his eyes off of you. And when you start to sink, Jesus is always there to save you and to rescue you and to bring you back on your feet. And here's the good news. When you look and you think there's monsters under the bed, or when your spouse calls and says that there is a demon in the finances, or when the doctor tells you that there's a devil with your diagnosis, who are you going to call when there's something strange in the neighborhood and things don't look good? You're not calling the Ghostbusters, friends. You're calling Jesus because Jesus is the only one that saves, and Jesus never takes his eyes off of you. And this is what Peter found out, that Jesus is always there, Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand, and he grabbed a hold of him. 
And he looked at him. And you got to know, we, we read this sometimes like Jesus coming down, you of little faith. But I think Jesus said it with compassion in his voice. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? I was here. I'm the one that told you to come out here. Why'd you look down? Why'd you take your eyes off of me? And when he got back in the boat, the wind ceased. The disciples again reminded this guy, continues to defy nature. And notice what he said. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, you, are the, you truly are the son of God. See, bold faith realizes that there's times we're going to fall. There's times we're going to take our eyes off of God. But when we do, you know who's going to be there? Jesus, every single time. And what bold faith does is it trusts. It learns to trust by keeping its eyes on Jesus in everything that Jesus says. It's like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This walk of faith, we can't do it on our own. Because our own ways, our understandings, the fear, what lurks in the dark, the ghosts in the dark, the monsters under the bed, they're always going to try to take our eyes off of Jesus. But it's when we stand on his word and we keep our eyes on him, it's when we can actually follow Jesus out on the tightrope. Because we know something greater than us is here. And something greater than us is going to save us. So this week, as you guys go back into the, the daily flow of life and all the things that you have going on, and you see that, that Jesus is calling you to take a risk, and that Jesus is calling you to step out in faith, are you going to follow him? Are you going to see that he's with you and that he's given, your word, he's given you his word to stand on? But he's telling you, you have to keep your eyes on him. I invite the worship team back on stage here as we close out. And a couple weeks ago, you guys heard the tragic story of what was going on in Kabul, Afghanistan. As the, um, as the military was seeking to evacuate men and women and children out of Afghanistan, there were 13 service members who were standing at the gate of the international airport in Kabul, fighting off the enemy when a bomb was detonated. It was these 13 U.S. service men and women who gave their life for the freedom of other people. And it's an amazing story. I encourage you guys to go read it and read up some of the personal stories of these men and women who gave their life. But there was one thing that stood in all of them is that they were facing uncertainty. They were facing a situation they had never been in before. They were facing a situation they didn't know what was going to happen. And there was a lot of ghosts in the dark and a lot of monsters under the bed. But something gave them the courage to stand boldly in the midst of all of that. And what was it? They believed in something bigger than themselves. They were committed to something bigger than themselves. And they had a conviction that overcame the fear. Were they afraid? I have to imagine they were. But that didn't stop them from being the, the people they knew they needed to be and accomplishing the duty they came to do. I think the question for us as we dive into the series about what it looks like to be bold is the question is, what do we believe in? And God is calling us to, to follow him on the tightrope. And God is calling us to be bold and to step out in our faith and to trust him. Because God wants to take you into a place that you've never been before. A place full of uncertainty. A place where it's going to seem like there's a, a lot of what ifs. But God is saying, trust me. Because I want to use you to change somebody else's life. And I want to use you to help bring somebody else out of the dark. And I want to use you in a special way to help shine the light of Jesus 
into a dark world. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to step out and follow? And are we going to trust that Jesus is strong enough to keep us? Because I think as we do, Forefront, we will realize that every time he is faithful and that every time we take our eyes off of him, he's still there keeping his eyes on us. So this week, let's be prayerful and ask God, God, what are you calling me to do? What risks are you calling me to take? Where do I need to be bold? And ask Jesus to shine his light in the dark. Would you pray with me?